top of the morning, afternoon, evening, and night, everybody. I'm your host, Ethan Politico, and welcome back to another Politico podcast episode. So up to this episode here, episode five, I've kind of talked about everything that I wanted to talk about to begin my podcast. I talked about COVID in China in the last episode. I talked about pain in my third episode. I talked about a long walk that I did to fight suicide for the second episode. And the first episode was just about me and just a general introduction as to who I am. But from now on, I kind of wanted to begin to change it up, not talk about my specific experiences, but something that I enjoy watching nowadays, and specifically I enjoy watching The Daily Wire. And what they do is they kind of take articles and they kind of take small things that they find around the internet and they delve deep into it and they find explanations and they talk about it and give their opinion on it. And that's what I would love to start to do myself. So this episode is kind of going to be a guinea pig episode because I'm not sure whether or not I will take one article and I will focus on that one specific article for the entire episode or if I will record one part on one article and then if I find another article a day or two later and then I can talk about that article and delve deep into that. So I have been thinking about doing this type of thing for a while. I just didn't know where to start. I didn't know what um, accounts to follow on Twitter, where to look for different articles that might be interesting to talk about. And then I remembered that there are loads of expat ones on WeChat and which link to China. So I think I'm going to start there. And I wanted to talk about an article that is titled China central authorities declare quote-unquote decisive victory over COVID, which was published by Expat Focus. And when I first read this, wow, really? I was so surprised that this had come out. Well, I wasn't that surprised because obviously I know what China's propaganda is like and China's news is like. I was so surprised and living abroad now and not living in China and having this outside perspective on it, I was very surprised um, because in the article it says that China's top leaders say that this quote-unquote decisive victory over COVID was because the death tolls dropped relatively sharply. And although this is a good thing, it's always good when there's something that the death tolls are dropping very sharply. It was what was said next in this article, which blew my mind. The China top leaders, they said that everything they had done, down to the judgment, the policies, and the adjustment of controls, have been totally right. Nothing that they have done have been wrong, and they even said themselves that the public would agree. The public would agree. Obviously they're going to agree. You kept the public locked away for so long that the public began to fully protest against the government. And the last time this happened was 33 years ago in Beijing and Tiananmen Square. Except this time, they were fully asking for A, the COVID, the zero COVID policies to completely disappear and for the president, Xi Jinping, to completely resign. Now, why did these protests happen? If you're not 100% sure as to why the protests happened, then I'll quickly explain. Essentially, there was a big apartment fire that happened in western, in the western Xinjiang region of Urumqi, which killed 10 people. Now, the public completely blamed it on the COVID restrictions that were implicated into this specific area, which stopped them from leaving their apartment, which means that they couldn't escape the fire. And this entire thing 
then all of a sudden erupted out of essentially nowhere to create these protests that happened all across China. Have you got that? Great. So obviously, the public are going to agree with this report because the conclusion was, after these protests and everything, was that the public were back to normalcy. And that's what they were fighting for in these protests. But what was interesting about these protests was that they were targeting the central government, not just the local governments. But I'm kind of going off topic here. Um, But essentially, at the end of it all, the government said that the reason why all of these restrictions were removed was because they put it down to it being a weaker strain. Now, obviously, that's correct. When COVID first came about, it was lethal. You could very easily die from getting this new virus because it was a very lethal and fatal virus to get. Two and a half years later, three years later, it's a brand new strain. Yes, it might be a it might be a lot more contagious than the first strain, but it's not as fatal. It's not as lethal. It is just a cold. It is just a flu. And it took them three years to figure this out. So I went I went back in time a bit. I went and I researched a few things and I tried to find specific articles that Expat Focus had put up, which I remember reading. And there's two articles from December the 11th and December the 30th of 2022, which further backs up this point. Essentially, what China has said was that they were going to downgrade COVID from a class A disease to a class B disease. And then they would further downgrade it to a class C degree disease after the curve had flattened. So, essentially, class A is the worst diseases out of the worst. So, this was... Um, this included the SARS, the SARS disease, which happened in 2003. And this, the measures that they do is everything that you've seen China do. Lockdowns, isolations, quarantines, close contacts or in medical observations, and many other measures, which everything that happened in China during, during COVID in the last three years. And when it ranked down to class B... It would then join other diseases such as HIV, viral hepatitis, and this H7N9 bird flu, which was mentioned in this article. Um, and they said that the the downgrading of from A to B would happen on January the 8th of 2023, which has happened. And then obviously, once you have so many people locked in, quarantined, you cannot leave your you cannot leave your apartment. You cannot leave your compound. The second you open up, everyone leaves, everyone mixes, and the curve rises. Absolutely skyrockets. It's common sense. That would happen, and they knew that that would happen. And that's why it didn't get categorized into a class C straight away. They waited until this curve flattened off, because as more people got infected, there were less people that had to get infected, And then over time, the curve would slowly die down because people already got COVID and it's a lot more difficult to get it again because, of course, you have those antibodies inside your system to fight it off. And then it went from a class B to a class C, which class C is where you've got flu, rubella and mumps. And you've just got generic diseases that you can get, which aren't that big of a deal anymore in today's day and age. 
um, and which has now allowed all of this normalcy to to occur. And that is happy days. Everything is better in China. My parents are there and they say everything's normal now. It's great. But then going back to the article that I've been talking about um, for the majority, that I've based this entire episode on, they have a final part of the end. And there's one sentence which states that China's COVID situation is improving while the global pandemic remains. I'll say that again. China's COVID situation is improving while the global pandemic remains. This is kind of just adding fuel to the fire, in my opinion. Because what this report is saying is that China is completely under control. Everything's fine. You know, they've got it all. It's now a class C virus. Everything is back to normal. Whilst the entire world is still in bedlam, cities are collapsing, cases are higher than ever before, and no one will be good, as good as China in how they fight against viruses. Of course, only if you take into account how they just completely disregard human rights and the basic necessities that humans need, and they lock you away. Well, they did lock you away, should I say, for three years whenever you wanted to go back and go to China. And just recently, a few days ago, Expat Focus came out with another article which I found very interesting to read, and it's titled, How Much Money Was Spent on Anti-COVID Measures in 2022? Now, the thing to focus on in this title is 2022. It's not 2021, not 2020, not the entire COVID experience that we've all been living in, just 2022. And obviously 2022 is when we had the massive lockdown, the second biggest lockdown um, in Shanghai and, and across the entirety of China as well. But that brought in a lot of uh, measurements and money that had to be brought into it, etc, etc. So in looking at the different amount of money that was spent for these anti-COVID measurements, we had to take them from the different provinces. And in this article, it says that there's only 20 out of 31 provinces which have published their figures on how much money was spent to control the pandemic. Now, there's different measurements in the expenditure that these provinces used, and it goes from all levels of government to just provincial levels spending. So whether or not it's the entire government that is giving money or just for that one specific province, which is something to keep in mind when I mention these, um, these figures. So starting in a southern province of Guangdong, uh, which is home to, to approximately 127 million people, it's the largest provincial economy, and it was the biggest spender, again, in 2022 alone. Not the entirety of COVID, it was just 2022. 71.1 billion yuan which is approximately about 8.6 billion pounds, was spent on different measurements. And these measurements are vaccinations, testing, and emergency benefits that the government had to give to people whilst they were locked in. So that included food and rice and vegetables, etc., etc. You know what I'm saying. All of this expenditure that this southern province of Guangdong did was an increase of 50% of the previous year. 
So in the previous year, 35.55 billion yuan, which is around 4.3 billion pounds, was used on anti-COVID measurements. But because of all of the lockdowns that did happen last year, it shot up by 50%, which is crazy. And that's just the southern province of Guangdong, which has the largest provincial economy with 127 million people. If you go down to, not down, if you go up to Beijing, but down on the um, population, Beijing spent 26.4 billion yuan, which is approximately 3.2 billion pounds, and that was mainly used on epidemic control and prevention. And that's the same with vaccinations and testing and the benefits that the government had to send. And that 26.4 billion yuan was a 111% increase of the city's healthcare budget for 2022. So, so much money was spent to keep people in their houses, to vaccinate them, to test them. Because, um, like I mentioned in my last podcast, there was a health code and you would have to get tested at least once a week. And if you have one person testing, that's one cotton swab and then you have God knows how many. If you go to Shanghai, there's about 28 million people that live there. You have 28 million people that have their own cotton swab, and then you have to have the little, um, the little testing tube with a liquid to know if you're positive or negative. Uh, it's, there's so much money that went into this, which just skyrocketed through the healthcare budget for 2022, just for Beijing, just for Beijing. And then if you go to Shanghai, and which is known around the world as the country's financial hub. That is where the, the majority of expats go. It's a massive, massive place. Um, they spent just, only just, <laughs> 16.8 billion yuan, which is around 2 billion pounds on COVID measures. And that includes everything that I talked about in the last podcast and that I've mentioned here on vaccinations, on testing, on emergency benefits, but also Shanghai was known to construct temporary hospitals for people with COVID. And whether or not these hospitals were used for people with COVID or if it was for medical observations of people that are close contacts or tested positive, but then they could be negative, like a false positive, all these different factors play into who went to these temporary hospitals, which from what I've heard from people, are not the nicest conditions. And that is going to be the end of this episode here. I hope you guys did enjoy this episode. I think this is going to be kind of something that I'm going to be doing for from now on, um, is kind of looking at one or two articles and kind of giving some insight about it and giving my opinions on it, because I think it was quite fun. If there's any stories that come up along the way that I would like to talk about, then I will talk about them. But as of right now... Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you all in the next episode. See you later, guys.